Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Early to bed. Go to sleep! to win. I won. I won the money. It's the early line with Joe Raineri and Dane Martinez. Line up, lady! All right, hour number two of the early line. It is Dane Martinez and Jared Smith in for Joe Ranieri as he continues to work on his tan in the Sunshine State. Jared Smith holding it down. Really, you know, we're, we're, we're building a syndicate here over the course of the week, Jared, and I really like it. We got an opportunity to make a little bit of cash tomorrow night in Vegas as Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury renew their uh, hostilities, let's say. A lot of people know the first fight ended in a draw, which means these guys are still undefeated. I remember the highlight of Tyson Fury sitting up like the Undertaker after he got knocked down like Lazarus from the dead in the last fight. Absolutely. Minus 108 on both sides, okay? Here's what I'll tell you. Tyson Fury is the better boxer. Jared, and this, this is unquestioned, okay? There were times in that first fight he made Wilder look silly, but... Watch out for the right hand, Fury, because that can strike at any moment in time. I do believe, though, that it'll be Wilder by knockout or Fury on points on the decision. Fury also, Jared, is a bit of a showman, okay? Plays plays around a little bit. Got a little cocky in the first one. I don't know if he does that this time. He's got a new trainer, the nephew of famous trainer Emmanuel Stewart, and I think if he stays focused and sticks to the sweet science and avoids the lightning bolt, I think the Gypsy King gets it done tomorrow night. What say you, Jared? You know, it's funny because I, I, I fully admit I'm not a huge boxing better. That's fine. And that's because we just haven't seen fights like this very often. Yeah. We you know, a not. lot of the fights we've seen have been like, you know, Pacquiao, Mayweather, where they're just like snooze fests, basically. Right. Now, this one I don't think is going to be a snooze fest. I think this one's going to be pretty exciting. And my question is, what has Deontay learned from that last fight? If Fair. he's learned, all right, I gave Fury the business in that last fight, and I still couldn't get over the top. What do I need to do to adjust myself a little bit? and get a little bit closer to the big man so I can land that right hook. To me, that's the key. And if Fury has figured out how to keep Deontay at bay, I think it's going to be a long night for the Bronze Bomber. I really do. I, I, I think it's going to be a fun fight to watch, though. I'm not making a pick right now. I'll probably wait till tomorrow and see if there's okay. any late line movement. But I, I, I'm very fascinated to see Wilder, if he has learned anything from that last fight. All right, let's see what Dan Afford Stratford has to say on the update here on SportsGrid. I got a bet for you on that one on the other side, too. SportsGrid News Update. Well, gentlemen, we keep our eye on the NFL and the CBA talks. NFL owners have approved the new collective bargaining agreement proposal. It now goes to the NFL Players Association for consideration. Some things to think about. The Washington Post, Mark Mass reports the league is expected to expand the 2020 postseason to 14 teams, quote, 
even if the players fail to ratify the proposed CBA. NFL's uh, proposal has an increase in roster size from 53 to 55 players. Other changes would be curbing the commissioner's power in dis disciplinary cases and softening marijuana punishments. J.J. Watt took to Twitter last night to say, quote, hard pass. NBC Denver's Mark Mike Kliss reports Chiefs offense coordinator Eric Bieniemy has officially turned down the University of Colorado's head coaching job. In some injury news, Browns wide receiver Jarvis Landry is expected to be sidelined six to eight months from his February 4th operation date. He had surgery on his hip. In Major League Baseball, Cubs manager David Ross noted Thursday that Ian Happ will primarily play center field this spring. Lots of changes for the Cubs, as we'll see Chris Bryant lead off and Anthony Rizzo most likely bat second. Aaron Judge is expected to resume hitting Friday in Yankees camp. Judge has held off from swinging a bat this week after showing up to Yankees camp with some crankiness and soreness in his right shoulder. He did throw on Thursday. In the NBA, general manager Sean Marks confirms Kyrie Irving will have arthroscopic surgery. He'll miss the rest of the season after having that shoulder scoped. In the NBA on Thursday night, Trey Young, 50 points, hitting three-pointers from near the half-court stripe. He went 8 of 15 from three-point lane, 12 of 25 overall. Also had eight assists as the Hawks beat the Miami Heat 129-124. to 124. Good upset there for the Young Hawks. I'm Dan Straffer, and this has been your SportsGrid News Update. Thanks a lot, Dan, uh, for all the updates there. We will certainly keep our eye on everything from the collective bargaining agreement in the NFL to some of the injuries that we are seeing, and we'll see if they do soften their stance on marijuana. We'll see if Greg Robinson cares about that. But, Jared, all right. Here's what we got to talk about. We've talked about college basketball for the weekend. We touched on the fight, and I will give you a very interesting play that you can find on our friends at FanDuel. Remember, when they have bonuses and promos and opt-in and, you know, good karma paybacks and all that stuff, you can find some interesting ways to tilt them in your favor. I'll tell you about that when we make our plays of the day. But, Jared, one of the other things that's going on this weekend is the XFL. And... We're going to bring in our good friend Mike Blewett in our next segment at 8.15. He's going to talk a little bit about week three and what we've seen. But we haven't had a chance to really talk about this just yet, Jared. Um, what do you think about the XFL, about things like the kickoff rules, the two-minute warning rules, the idea of you know the access they have that we're all mic'd up and we're seeing everything? Uh, you think it's going to last? Do you think it's going to be sustainable? Do you like some of the things we're seeing out of the XFL? I do like what we've seen. I do like the kickoff rule a lot. I think the NFL yep. should adopt that immediately. Yep. Uh, the other stuff is a little gimmicky, and, and I, I don't think the coaches are really kind of in a good position to take advantage of these rules. For example, we've seen more field goals in the last two weeks than I, I ever expected to see in this league. Right. And I, I tell you, Mark Tressman, I don't, I don't know, man. I mean, he's had three quarterbacks with the Tampa Bay Vipers. I feel like Tressman... Tressman just continues his his inability to be able to pick starting quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't know if this guy would be able to pick out a starting quarterback if he had like Deshaun Watson as like his son. Like he just like doesn't <laughs> he just like doesn't have the ability to like evaluate talent at quarterback. It's very unique uh, because he came from the CFL, where obviously it's not a quarterback driven league. It's more of a athlete driven league. So I you know I. I I don't love what I've seen. I don't hate it. I don't think it's going to be one of those leagues that that takes over the football world in the spring. Right. I think in February it's a fun little gimmick, but let's be real. When we get to March Madness, I don't think anyone's going to be really paying attention to this when the uh, XFL really heats up. And then when we get to April when it's the championship, it's the NBA playoffs. 
So I, and the I, NFL draft. Exactly. I, I, I just don't I, – I mean, I, I'm very grateful for the product that we have because I think it gives us something more to talk about, something more to bet on, something more fun. Right. It's, it's gimmicky. It's, it's cool. It's different. But in terms of staying power, I, I, I don't really see it. I mean, you know, I do like what I've seen from Cardell Jones. I'll tell you that. And, right. you know, it's, it's, it's funny. He made some plays uh, over the weekend. I was actually wa- into prep for the segment, day, and I was watching the highlights <laughs> of the games over the weekend. I think yep. P.J. Walker looks really good. Yes, Cardell Jones Cardell Jones looks like Patrick Mahomes, and yeah. he doesn't look like Patrick Mahomes, and I don't mean this as a slight, as a larger man myself. Maybe <laughs> we should start calling him Patrick Mahomes because okay. he's kind of making those same plays, but let's be real. Okay. He's got a little bit of extra, little extra meat on the bone there. <laughs> He does. He does. And I think you're right. The kickoff rule, I think, is the best one that they have, right? They have somehow managed to merge excitement of the play and player safety with the way they're doing it. It's visually weird when you see them lining up that way. But here's the other thing I want to ask you, because this is a a betting network, right? You know what I've seen? And I want to get your take on it. Because of this 1.2 point, 3 point conversions, right? And how that, in essence, warps what we know as traditional scoring. Yeah. My question for you, Jared, is as it relates to you, what you and I both know as key numbers. In the NFL, three and seven are the key number, right? We're like, uh-oh, that's three and a half. Look out for the hook, that sort of thing. Jared, I think that's been completely taken away in the XFL because, listen, I saw a game yesterday, uh, last week. It was like 17-9. That's a one-score game, right? They could go for three even and the win at nine. Points, it is still a one score game. And I wonder how do you think that impacts people betting it when I see a line, you know, I see six and a half for Houston and Tampa Bay this week. I, that's not just below the key number. It's almost like we don't have key numbers anymore. How are how how can sports investors handle that change from what we know? You're 100 percent right. The key numbers don't exist. I said this the first week. And I think it's going to continue to be the case where I don't care if I'm on the wrong side of three. I mean, I'm looking right. at the score lines right now. Here are the score lines from the first two weeks. So there's been eight games in the XFL. Here are yep. the margins. 12, 10, 20, 6, 27, 8, mm-hmm. 7, and 4. Didn't, didn't catch a three in there, did you? Nope, I didn't. Nope, certainly didn't. So, or that, a seven. Yeah, you know, it, there was one seven, but it was 25-18, which is a weird seven. <laughs> a very is. weird seven. So I, the, the moral of the story is, Dane, just bet the team that you think is going to win the game. Don't right. worry about the spread. In my mm. mind right now, the spread is a meaningless entity. Until we start to get a little bit of continuity with which teams go for one, which teams go for two, exactly. what are the percentages going for one or two? We've only had two right. games of it. Way too small of a sample size to make any monetary investment in a specific number being a key number. And to me, yep. that's where the XFL is going to struggle from a betting perspective is there's right. going to be a lot of novice gamblers that pile in on, oh, I need to get that three in the hook, but then it doesn't matter, and then they're going to shy away from betting it the following week, and it's going to skew what their trends are in terms of what their style is to bet these games. I think the best... Advice I can give right now is just pick the team that you think is going to win the game and bet the spread regardless. All right, we're going to get even more good advice from our guy Mike Blewett on the other side of the break. He is plugged into the XFL. We'll ask him about the kickoff rules, the key numbers, and for a play for week three. I got to put something going. 
Come on. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back to the early line right here on Sports Grid. Dane Martinez and Jared Smith getting you guys ready for a big time weekend in sports. We talked about some college basketball. We talked a little bit about the Wilder Fury fight. Our guy Scotty Farrell and the crew is in Vegas. He interviewed Bob Arum yesterday. Got a lot of good guests, so we are present out there as well. But not to be outdone is the XFL Week 3. And so we bring in my guy and the host of XFL Today on this very network. My guy Mike Blewett spending a couple of minutes with us on this Friday. How you feeling today, Mike? What's up, boys? It's been a long week for me, a lot of travel, but uh, I'm excited to be back in the United States and to do a show tomorrow morning with Joe Lisi. So looking forward to week three in the XFL. All right, sounds good here, Mike. First thing I got to ask you, okay, after week one, I was so excited about the XFL. I was like, listen, I love that these guys are mic'd up. We're interviewing players on the sidelines. I get the mic feed for the replay booth to see how they (laughs) adjudicate that stuff. It's awesome. Then in week two, Matt McGloin was mic'd up, Mike, okay? And McGloin was mic'd up, and we heard the rough underbelly of, you know, kind of what goes on on the sidelines. Him saying literally that they've got to switch up the entire game plan. Him saying this is the worst game he's ever been a part of. And then the coach is kind of finding this out. And he got benched. So t- tell me about the pros and cons of some of this, uh, you know, kind of amazing, uh, you know, changes to the XFL. How did you view what happened with the McGloin audio in week two against D.C.? Yeah, so I, I think overall it's a positive. And for better or for worse, the Matt McGloin scenario was the most talked about thing in the XFL over the weekend. He talked about P.J. Walker's play, and you guys mentioned Cardale Jones uh, being uh, showing that he's a legit quarterback as well. But the Matt McGloin scenario was easily the top story in the XFL coming out of Week 2. I think anytime you introduce new rules, new, uh, new ways to consume content, uh, any kind of variation of what you're normally used to, there's going to be surprise moments like that. I think the difficulty for players, first of all, everything that Matt McGloin did, every player is going to hate. The coaches are going to hate. He's throwing his team under the bus uh, on national television. Uh, I, I really blame him for the halftime interview. He's got to be more composed there. But some of the other stuff, I think there's a reason why, for example, in many, in every major sport, Uh, across the country when the game ends the locker room isn't immediately open to reporters right they need to give guys 10 15 minutes 20 minutes to cool off so that they can compose themselves before they start commenting is playing a terrible game and he's he's throwing everybody under the bus coaches worst team ever 
uh, that yeah. kind of stuff. So I, I think having the microphone on you at all times is going to potentially elicit some dangerous scenarios like that, Dave. Mike, great to have you back stateside. I know it's been a busy uh, couple of weeks for you all over the globe. Yeah, uh, it has my, been. It has been. <laughs> uh, from a gambling perspective, I think this league clearly was was maybe not designed specifically for gamblers, but I think that's certainly one of the draws. Uh, but what we're yeah. seeing early on is these key numbers that we're used to betting in football, 3, 7, 10, 14, they don't really have a lot of weight because of the conversions and because of the variance in which teams, which coaches decide to go for field goals, decide to go for one, two, and three-point conversions after touchdowns. Do you think that's going to level off as we get closer to the championship week? Do you think there's going to be a trend, a pattern of a number that maybe becomes a key number, or is it the Wild West out there where you really should just bet on the team you think is going to win, and who cares about what the spread is? I think it's a really good question. I don't think it's something I could definitively answer at this moment, only to say that we're certainly see. I would say that the coaches have been a little bit more risk-averse than I think mm. the league wants and maybe even fans want. Uh, mm. They are really not yeah. going for the three-point conversion. We saw one converted, but I think they've been a little bit more risk-averse. I think as they become more comfortable with the rule set and everything else, we may see a few more chances taken. Plus, to your point, as we get to the playoffs towards a championship game, uh, we might see a little bit more uh, aggressive play. I yeah. think I think aggressive play in this league is even more important than in the NFL. You don't have a high quality necessarily of offensive line play. I think you're going to need mobile quarterbacks. We've seen Jordan Tahamu uh, play really well. The irony of St. Louis is they've scored six touchdowns through two weeks. They don't have any conversions yet. So we're seeing uh, certain teams' inability to convert at all. As somebody like them is probably going to be, I mean, they might say, screw it, let's go for three, <laughs> since we can't even right. get one right now. But uh, I think we will see that. The, the one thing, and you guys made a point uh, in the earlier, in the, in the first segment, as I was listening into this fine program, about <laughs> uh, teams, about the kickoff rules. And I think yeah. we're absolutely going to see, like we would with any experimental league, some things that just flat out don't work. And that's okay. But some things might be really interesting. Whether or not the yeah. NFL adopts it, it's uh, certainly something that is good. And we're, I'm talking about the kickoffs in particular. We're seeing 63% of the kicks being returned. That's more than double uh, what we saw in the NFL in 2019. So that, Jared, is also contributing to the increase in scoring. And despite the fact that the conversions will screw you up, you have the ability also to promote uh, kickoff returns and better field position in this league. Yeah, I agree with you, Blewett. That one is one that does kind of marry excitement of the game and player safety. And when you get over the way it looks visually, I would not be surprised if college or even the NFL adopted the kickoff rule. All right, let's zone in here, Blewett, and look at week three of the XFL season this weekend. You know, Mike, we've been doing shows for years now, and a lot of times I pose a question to you with, am I crazy? And I'm going to do this again. I like the Houston Roughnecks. I like P.J. Walker. I like June Jones. I like their defensive line but Mike I think I might fade them this week Houston won both of their games at home to go 2-0 they now go to Tampa Bay their first game on the road Tampa on the flip side were one of the favorites to win it all before we started they're 0-2 but both
both of their two games were on the road. They're supposed to have a really strong defense. Glanville likes his boys. And didn't they give up, like, defensive touchdowns in both of their games to Seattle and to New York yeah. so far? So I wonder if this could be a thing where everyone's a little bit too high on Houston and a little bit too low on Tampa. Tampa now at home for the first time. I see them getting six and a half points. I love the Roughnecks and P.J. Walker, but I think I might fade them this week and take Tampa in their home opener plus six and a five. Six and a half. Blew it? Am I crazy? I, I, I uh, I, I think that your logic makes sense. We're always talking about correlating your story to your wager. Right. But as far as I'm concerned, I can't back any of the teams that haven't shown any consistent quarterback play. Aaron Murray didn't yeah. play well in the first outing. Then obviously he was hurt. Uh, he has not practiced as of the middle of the week uh, this week. And Taylor Cornelius and Quinton Flowers have both struggled. I thought Flowers was going to be a real asset in this league, but it's only two weeks in. I, I can't judge these guys greatly uh, in limited action. Uh, so I'm going to ride with the quarterbacks. And right now, the three quarterbacks that have played really well are uh, Phil, uh, Phil P.J. Walker. <laughs> he used to be Phil. Now he's P.J. Walker, uh, Cardell Jones, and Te'amu. So I think those guys are the ones that I'm going to continue to back. I think Jared made a point earlier about point spreads. Sort of throw them out. For now, we really just have to back the teams, particularly the offenses that have been efficient. Mike, we've got two 2-0 teams, Houston, D.C. I think both of them, as you said, the quarterback play has been the reason why that they've been so successful. The defensive lines as well have certainly played well, especially for Houston. My question is is kind of focused around quarterback play. Do you see the evolution of this game being at that quarterback level? Meaning, can Cardell Jones, regardless of what happens with the rest of this offense, and it's a good offense for D.C., but can a guy like Cardell Jones just carry a team because of the the thin offensive line and, and, and the thin skill positions. Can a guy like Jones, can a guy like Walker literally just carry their teams to a championship uh, in, in this particular league, in this particular format? 100%. I think it's the most mm. important part of this league is to get increased quality quarterback play. Uh, I think the Matt McGloin situations are going to be really bad for this league, even if he didn't say a word. I think they're going to be really bad for this league if you can't get any consistent QB play. So I think it's really important for QBs, skill position players, to be on the same page and being very efficient right from the start. I think right now, D.C. was one of the teams I liked going in because of the marriage of Pep Hamilton and Cardell Jones. Frankly, I liked... Uh, Tressman and Aaron Murray, that hasn't worked. But right now, D.C. is the team, one of the teams I like going into the season. I like them now, and certainly P.J. Walker has been the breakout star of the league. Hey, Blue, we only got a minute left, so I want to ask you quick. You talked yeah. about these quarterbacks, Walker, Cardell Jones, Tiamu. The game that features none of those guys this week is Dallas and Seattle. Is that the under play? What do you think about some of these totals? I mean, Landry Jones threw, put up a 300-yard game, so I, I can't really uh, be too critical of him. Uh, the totals, you know, this is, I think when we're talking wagering, the totals in this league are definitely the Wild West, right? Yeah. We've seen some pretty <laughs> wild scores and some, some absolute duds because of the same theme that we're talking about. This sort of really inconsistent quarterback play across the league makes it hard. I think... 
I, like I said earlier, I think I'm going to roll with the quarterbacks that I feel are efficient right now. If I lose out on Cardell Jones or P.J. Walker or Tiamu Ta- this weekend, 10 is a lot. But, uh, you know, maybe if they start getting some conversions, uh, they can cover against New York on Sunday. But for right now, man, Jared, I think you probably line. packed me up. Ro- rolling the totals right here is tough. Good stuff, All right, Mike. it sounds like Blewett thinks that the quarterbacks are the trump card here in the XFL. Let's get Mike Cole, Joe Lee, XFL today, right here on SportsGrid. Thanks for having a couple of minutes. Thanks, Mike. Good stuff, buddy. Th- thanks, bro. Talk to you soon. Sounds good. We'll be on the other side of the break to break a little bit more. Get on the grid. It's the early line. Here we go. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back here to the early line. Here on SportsGrid, Dane Martinez and Jared Smith holding you down for another 30 minutes before the morning after uh, picks it up right here on SportsGrid. Interesting stuff here from Mike Blewett, Jared. It sounds to me like he's considering the quarterbacks as the most dominant thing to worry about when capping this sport. And it makes sense, right? It makes sense because that's the most important position on the field. And, you know, that's P.J. Walker for Houston. That's Tiamo in St. Louis. And that's Cardell Jones, 12-gauge shotgun for the D.C. defenders. What Patrick do you think about Holmes. There you go. What do you think about teasing all three of them down a little Ooh, bit this week? Now we're really getting in the weeds. You know, I— I haven't really, uh, I haven't really thought about like specific strategies necessarily for this, but I'll tell you what: when it comes to the XFL, I think it's a very easy handicap, and I think Blue it's spot on. Uh, you 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 take the best quarterback in each game, and you say, "I don't care what the spread is," at least until further notice, because we haven't seen any specific trends yet. Way too small of a sample size to really unpack anything specific. I think the overarching trend is I like this quarterback. I'm betting on his team. And it it sounds simple and it sounds square, but I think in a league that's new, in a league that kind of has just a little bit of, you know, just a little bit of uncertainty surrounding some of the outside fringe players, the role players right now, I think you bet on what you know. And what we know is Cardell Jones looks like the best quarterback in the league. P.J. Walker looks like the most dynamic quarterback in the league. Jordan yep. Tiamo looks like a player who can certainly, you know, chew up yards and move his team up and down the field. Same thing for Landry Jones. I, I, I think that is what you can bank on right now. When you're handicapping anything, you just have to find certainty. And that's really the only certainty we have. We have no other certainties in this league. The offensive line play has been very spotty. The defenses yep. have had lapses, especially in the back, on multiple occasions. I tell you what, Cardell Jones can play in the NFL – and if he continues to go down this route, he will get an opportunity come next season. You think any of these other guys will? You think mm-hmm. P.J. Walker will, for example? Yes. Because here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. The game is moving in that direction, right? You mentioned he's the most dynamic quarterback. You know, he's needed to be that way because of the offensive line play. But the NFL is moving in that direction as well, Jared. You think any of these other guys could get a look? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I think this is a good proving ground, and, and that's what we were hoping that it would be. We were hoping it would be a proving ground for the NFL because I think that's what the NFL is lacking right now. They are lacking that minor league. We thought we were going to see it with the AAF. Clearly, that yeah, was an absolute disaster. But, yeah, you're right. The development, and that's why I'm a little bit disappointed that these coaches haven't been a little more aggressive. I think these coaches are coaching it like it's the NFL, and they're being very conservative. And to Mike's point, I, I think it would behoove the league if they just took off the, the uh, training wheels and just said, listen, we're going to go for three every time. That's what the best, you know, EV would, would, would dictate in terms of the best chance that we win this game. Same thing with kicking, field goals. Just forget it. Just stop kicking field goals. Unless it's like fourth and 30 and you're at the 30-yard line. <laughs> like, just, just stop. Just go for it. So, uh, until we see that uber-aggressive style, and let's be real, we've got some coaches that are old school. Tressman, you know, uh, sure. Bob Stoops. I mean, these are old-school football coaches. For them to, you know, get outside of that mindset of, hey, I'm inside the 20, I'm taking points no matter what, it, you know, it's going to take some time. In fact, it might not even happen at all this year. But until we get that very aggressive mindset with these coaches, we're still going to see a very bland style of football across the board. And, you know, the little rule changes help, but this was a league that was invented to kind of push the envelope. We have not seen that yet. Yeah. So we'll obviously keep an eye on this as it goes on throughout the season. And, of course, you know, you can keep it locked with Blewett and Lisi. Yeah, they do a great job. Yeah, in the mornings, during the weekends, XFL today. You know, it's an interesting place conceptually, Jared, where we are almost on even footing as the books, right? Because we yeah. know as much information Agreed. about this sport as the uh, as kind of the professionals out there. So a very interesting sport to potentially attack. Week three kicks off tomorrow. All right, Jared, one of the other things we were talking about is it's, you know, pitches and catches report. And we got to do more than talk about only the damn Houston Astros and banging on guard. <laughs> And, and seeing signs, right? There will be baseball to be played as well. So let's talk about how we could take advantage of it. If you want to put the graphic up, guys, we've got the NL East that we are going to talk about today. And so here are some of the win totals for these teams. The Atlanta Braves are the highest. You see it now there at 90 and a half wins plus 200, two to one to win the division. Next up are the defending World Series champions. Ooh. 88 and a half wins there plus 250 to win the division. The Metropolitans come in next. We don't know who's going to own the team in a few years, <laughs> but their win total is 87 and a half plus 280 to win the division. The Phillies, they've made some moves. Second year for Bryce Harper. Uh, 85 and a half wins is the win total that they are um, aspiring to here in Vegas. Uh, plus 310 to win the division, and then, you know, we don't need to talk much about the Miami Marlins, projected to be one of the worst teams in the National League, plus 10,000 to win the division. Let me get my thoughts out here first, and then I want to see if we continue to be in simpatico. Jared, I've told you before, for me, it comes down to starting pitching. All right, that is what is going to be my trump card in all this. And when I look at some of these, and when I look at these rotations, at least, a lot of people seem to like the Atlanta Braves. I don't know if I can trust them. I don't know if I trust Sorotka and Freed. Again, remember last time with with the NL Central, I said, I don't know if I trust Flaherty and Mikolas, young stud pitchers, to really repeat it. I feel the same way about Soroka, about Freed, about guys like Fulton Evage. Their offense is going to be amazing. Acuna has a goal to be the first 50-50 player of all time, and he might get there. 
but I just don't believe that this starting pitching, this young starting pitching can repeat. So when I look at the NL East, I see Washington who can still run out Scherzer, Stroudsburg, and Corbin. And then I see the New York Mets, Jared, who can run out DeGrom, who I still believe is the best pitcher in New York, Agreed. along with Syndergaard, along with, you know, Stroman. And then in the offseason, they got quality innings eaters, guys like Walker, guys like Porcello. Call me crazy, but I think the Mets could be the best value if they actually stay healthy. They may even have Cespedes back. I think that lineup is an above-average NL lineup. And quite frankly, I think they have the best starting pitching in the division. Let's start with the Mets because I, I like what you said with the Mets. There's two question marks for me with the Mets. The first one is what does Robinson Cano have left? And they need him and McNeil to be those two guys on the infield yeah. that eat up those monster numbers. I don't know if Pete Alonso is going to have the year he had last He's gonna year. Regress. He's going to regress a little bit. So let's say he regresses 10, 15 homers and 15, 20, 30 RBIs. The Mets still weren't a playoff team with Alonzo doing what he did at a spectacular level and all those starting pitchers pretty much contributing at their max with the exception of maybe Noah Syndergaard. So Their second half was a lot better than their first it half. It was, and, and they need to play that way in order to keep it going. So let's say there's a regression from Alonzo. We need to see a guy like Conforto step up. We need to see a guy like Cespedes come back and be healthy, and we need to see Robinson Cano do it over the course of a full season. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that. And on the other side of the coin, what are we getting from that bullpen and Edwin Diaz? To me, right. that's the key. Is are, are they going to be able to hold on to those two one, one and two run leads in the ninth yeah. inning after DeGrom goes seven innings scoreless and they're up 2 nothing in the ninth? Is Edwin right. Diaz going to be able to hold on to that lead? We need to see a big bounce back year from him. We need to see Michael Conforto. We need to see Joanna Cespedes. We need to see, see Robinson Cano stay healthy in the middle of that lineup. The Braves, to me, are the trump card in all of this. Okay. If they can overachieve with that pitching staff and stay healthy, right. they have the best offense in the division, hands down. So, top to bottom, their offense is absolutely stacked. You've got two MVP candidates in Freeman and Acuna. I don't think there's sure. another offense in baseball that can say that. There's definitely not another offense in the National League East that has two MVP candidates in the middle of that lineup. Maybe the Yankees, you can throw them out there. The Maybe Judge the Dodgers, and Stanton. Yeah, Dodgers as well. But definitely not in that division. I agree with your take on the Nationals. Strasburg, Scherzer, Corbin, it doesn't get any better than that. If those three stay healthy and if the bullpen can pitch well, I think the Nationals are a playoff team, no doubt about it. I think the wild card here to me is the Mets. If the Mets yep. stay healthy and the Mets get some bounce-back performances from some guys who have been down then I think the Mets can be the best team in this division. I don't think there's any doubt about it that the talent is there. I just question the organizational depth. I question the organizational leadership. That's what it always comes down to with the Mets. They always seem yeah. to have something off, whether it's injuries, whether it's who's owning the team, whether it's some weird, quirky thing that disrupts a great streak, whether it's That's Jacob. That's riding a horse. It's, you know? it's, <laughs> yeah, it's always something. And this is, a you know, I've covered the Mets in this town for almost 10 years. I've seen it firsthand. I was at their World Series appearance. I've seen them blow opportunity after opportunity to be that next team. And the talent has never been the issue, Dane. Right. It's been something else. 
And so with me, the Mets are the biggest wild card in this division. We know what we're getting with the Braves. They're going to mash. They're probably not going to pitch that well. We know what we're getting with the Nationals. They're going to pitch that well. They need Juan Soto and all the rest of the guys to play really well on offense because they don't have that elite offense. I think Philly's an interesting team as well. Didi Gregorius joins the team. Joe Girardi. You've got Bryce Harper as well. What are they going to get from Jake Arrieta? Are they going to get enough pitching down the stretch? This is the only team in baseball last year that had four teams 500 or better. The Phillies were 500. Everyone else was above 500. This is the deepest division in baseball now with Boston falling off. You would give that to the AL East, but I think the National League East will take over that mantle this year. Fascinating division. Right now I give the edge to the Braves, but very slightly I need to see more. I want to see this rotation over the first two months and see how it shakes out. All right, fair enough. We'll talk about it a little bit more, and then we will turn our attentions to our plays for the weekend. It's Dane and Jared bringing it on home on the early line right here on Sports Grid. Get on the grid, unless you're allergic to money, of course. Come on back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the early line right here on SportsGrid. Dane Martinez and Jared Smith bringing it on home here uh, before we head on over to the early line. I mean, the morning after in a couple of minutes where Ariel Epstein and Gabe Morency will join the fun and get you ready for the weekend. Jared, I think it's interesting in the NL East. I want to ask you two questions. One, you mentioned how Edwin Diaz, you know, kind of could be a uh, liability there for the Mets. Remember, in the offseason, they went ahead and signed Dylan Batances, former Yankee, moves across town. And I guess, you know, I I agree with you when it comes to Diaz. But listen, they have Batances. They have familiar, familiar. Seth Lugo was good for them in relief last year. You know, could it be more of a committee approach? You know, it's funny because Batances, to me, the injury is going to be the big thing. The Achilles tear at the end of the season, that, that's a tough injury to overcome. It was a freak injury. Uh, so we, we need to make sure he's healthy first. You know, this – and, again, we talked about the depth with the Mets. I, I don't doubt the pitching depth. I mean, the pitching depth is right there. It's about as good as it gets in all of baseball. Stroman is the, as, your third, as your third pitcher. Sure. Matt's is your fourth. And then you got Porcello in the back there. But then again, it gets to this point where, all right, is Matt's going to be able to do it over the course of the full season? Is Porcello really going to be that guy? We've seen a, a strong oh. decline from him since that Cy Young season. I think you're going to see Seth Lugo at some point be be in the starting rotation because, uh, you know, just by just just, just by necessity because one of these guys is going to go down at some point. And, and is Gesellman going to be able to step up and fill that role? I think Familia is another interesting guy where he lost a lot of weight during the offseason. What's that going to mean for his fastball velocity? To me, it all revolves around Diaz, though. I mean, they signed this guy to be a lockdown closer. He led the league in saves a couple years ago with the Mariners, and then he just absolutely fell off the map last season. If he's not 100%, Dane, if he's not mentally 100%, physically he was fine last year. I think it was just mental. 
But physically, <laughs> I mean, mentally, if he's not 100%, they're going to have problems closing out games. And this is not a Mets offense that bludgeons you. They've got some hitters at the top, especially with Diaz. I mean, especially with uh, Alonzo. But I, I, I just I, I just don't trust the consistency with Diaz in the bullpen. That's going to be the X factor with me. But this Mets team's got a lot of juice going into the offseason. They, they, they certainly have the talent to compete. It's just the consistency on a mental level that, that, mm-hmm. that I kind of, you know, a little skittish on. No, I hear that. And then if they ever get there into a short series, if you can run out DeGrom, Syndergaard, and then Stroman, they will be live against anyone. The other thing is here, and we talked about this before, you then have the Marlins, right? So maybe the Marlins under 64 and a half wins is the best play of all these futures. Because if we believe that all four of these other teams are quality, aren't they going to beat up on Miami? Yes. And... The Marlins, right. the roster, I'm looking at it now, their depth yeah, chart. there's not major leaguers there. No, it's basically the Orioles of the National League. It's um, VR and about it. Right, right, right. Yeah, and, and it's Lewis Brinson really is the guy that, you know, you would kind of look to is to kind of be that that breadwinner. But this is a team that has sure. no veterans. I mean, Jesus Aguilar yeah. is their only veteran. You know, their number one pitcher right now is Sandy Alcantara. I, I don't know yep. if I'm even pronouncing that right. Uh, but, Alcantara. I will say this, though, Jared. Out of Alcantara, Caleb Smith, Jose Urena. One of them will emerge to be kind of fantasy I think relevant. It could be Yamamoto, actually. That's the we'll guy see who had which good one. year last year. Yeah. Caleb Smith was a beast for them for, for a good portion of the year as well. All right. Let's get into plays here for the weekend. We got about 10 minutes left, Jared. One thing I wanted to mention. We talked the Wilder Fury fight before. And I got to tell you something. We talk about shopping around, Jared. We talk about, um, you know, uh, some of these books out here, especially in New Jersey, as they compete for your betting dollar, they offer things, right? They offer things like odds boost. They offer kind of other ways to play. And I found one that I think helps me out in the big fight tomorrow night. I want to get your take on it. So, Jared, one of the things we talked about was that Fury was the boxer, right? Fury was the one who was going to try to, you know, win the sweet science of it all, may win on points, whereas Wilder is pocking that knockout punch where in any given moment it can happen and it could be lights out, right? So that being said, check this out. Our friends over at FanDuel, Jared, are offering a – got to opt into it, but what they're offering is if you make a money line play on either fighter – and then your fighter loses in the first six rounds, you get your refund. And I believe, right, and I believe, Jared, that the way Fury will win is later in the fight anyway. Sure. Right? Later in the fight, he outclasses him. He stacks up 10, 9 rounds. That's, I believe that's Fury's path to victory. Wilder's path to victory includes a knockout in the first six rounds. You know what I'm saying? So what I'm going to do, I told you, this this fight right now on FanDuel is minus 108 on both sides, Jared. It's right down the middle. But I believe that the, you know, style makes fight. And the profile, I believe, is that Fury can win it more late, but Wilder could win it early. So I'm going to bet Tyson Fury, and I'm going to opt into this insurance bonus. Because then if Fury does get caught early on, I still win. I get my money back. 
And if Fury does start to outclass him, has a lead on points, he's going to be even more conservative in the championship rounds, 10, 11, 12, and get to the scorecards and get the victory, and I hit my bet. So I'm using kind of the refund karma bonus as a hedge on the way I think Wilder could win this fight. I at least get my money back that way, which makes me feel a little bit more comfortable and confident to bet Tyson Fury to win the big fight out there in Vegas tomorrow night. Are they roping me into a sucker's bet, Jared. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a sucker's bet, but but I, from my experiences, these promos, there's a reason why. It's kind of like of when course. you go to the, it's kind of like when you go to the the thrift store and you see all the things that are on sale. It's the things that they can't really get any action on, and that's right. what they're. And, and, and but they said on either the fighter. books are the books they are just on either fighter. Balance their action at the, at this point. Yeah. Yeah, they said you could do it on either fighter, and right now, as I stare at FanDuel, it is literally, you know, minus 108 on sure. both sides for this fight. So it's not like they're trying to force you one way. Yeah. I just think style makes fight, you know what I mean? That that's the way it could go. And they, listen, they say, it, they think so as well, Jared. You know, Wilder by knockout is plus 115. Yeah. Him to win by decision is, plus, is 10 to 1. On the reverse side, Fury by decision is plus 160, but for him to win by knockout is 5 to 1. Yeah, so they probably see probably not going to knock out Wilder. Exactly. It's going to so be I'm a decision choosing, if he wins. I'm choosing that first 6 rounds kind of refund bonus as a as a quasi hedge I for me, but good, I think it's a good strategy and, and and again, I think what you're doing that a lot of bettors don't do is you're thinking about a a bet analytically instead of just right. you know betting, "Hey, I think this person's going to win this. Let me bet this." And I do this all the time with futures bets, and 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 we talked about it yesterday with the Eastern Conference, and we talked about it today mm -hmm. with the Eastern Conference. You know, the Bucks might be the best team in the East, but that doesn't mean they're the best bet in the East. Right. So you know, just because you think one person's going to win this particular fight does not necessarily mean that you should just bet that person to win the fight. There are other ways to kind of suck the value out of every single dime that you can when you're making an investment in this particular case. And again, I'm not necessarily the expert on boxing. But I am the expert on gambling, and I, I, I do think that if you're making a wager, yeah. So, you know, that's absolutely true. And I, with that Eastern Conference, though, Jared, we may have to throw a couple shekels on Philly after the way they looked uh, last night. I don't know. I'm not buying Philly still. Jared, what do you like? We only got a couple minutes left. What do you like this week? Are you looking at Kansas Gonzaga? Are we looking at Rudy Gobert? What are we looking at this over the weekend? Yeah, I'm waiting to see that Kansas, Gonzaga, uh, that, uh, Kansas Baylor line come out. Uh, I think if it's Baylor, if Baylor's a favorite, in that game, which I expect them to be either a penny favorite or maybe one and a half, I'm I'm gonna take I'm I'm gonna take the money with Kansas. If if Kansas is favored in that game, I'm just gonna bet Kansas uh, to win the uh, to be a number one seed because that's where we're getting the plus money. Right. Wherever I get plus money with Kansas this weekend, I'm gonna take it. So we'll see what the line is. It hasn't been released yet, but Ken Palm has it as a one point win for Kansas. So if you take that as it may, it'll be Kansas minus one, probably minus one twenty on the money line. I will go Kansas plus 110 right now on FanDuel to be a number one seed because that is essentially a money line bet on this game. Uh, very, very bland college basketball card tonight, so I wouldn't really uh, recommend diving too much into that. There's a couple of interesting Big Ten games this weekend, Maryland, Ohio State. We'll see if the Buckeyes can bounce back at home. Tough game for Maryland. Uh, they need to continue to be consistent because right now the Terps are the Big Ten's leader 
However, Penn State, Iowa, those teams are nipping right on their heels. So Maryland needs to keep uh, winning games if they want that one seed uh, in the Big Ten tournament. Penn State has a tough road game in Bloomington against Indiana. I do expect uh, that to be a bounce-back spot for the Nittany Lions as well uh, after they had a tough loss against Illinois. So those are the three games I'll keep an eye on this weekend, all on the college basketball card. Kansas and Baylor, if you can get Kansas plus money, I would certainly take it. Uh, look to see if Penn State can bounce back. And then Ohio State at home, we haven't seen a line yet. That's a Sunday game. But Ohio State at home, uh, I, I think we're going to get a little bit of value because of what we saw uh, against right. Iowa last night. So I, I would say back go home. home teams in the Big Ten this weekend and give me Kansas on the road in Waco. But, again, if you don't get Kansas as a plus money, money line, go to the number one seed prop on FanDuel. You're getting plus 110 right now. I like that. And just to recap, you also think Gonzaga can go into BYU oh, and get it done, correct? Absolutely. And again, these are lines that won't be released until tomorrow Fair. morning or late tonight. But I, I think Gonzaga is a bad matchup for BYU. I don't like BYU's defense. They will score points. That could be a fun over game. We've been hitting a lot of overs in Gonzaga games this year. But just keep in mind that if it's a high, if it's a high spread, the back door will be open. So maybe if you can wait on that one to see. I, and again, we don't know what the lines are yet. I'm assuming it's going to be about a four or five point favorite for Gonzaga based on what we are seeing on Ken Palm. Uh, yep. But until those lines are actually released and we actually see what the movement is. Be a little weary with what you bet because I, I, I just don't know what we're going to see. Right right now it actually says 82-80 Gonzaga over BYU. So if that's a two-point spread this weekend, I really like the Bulldogs. All right, fair enough. So it sounds like we're leaning home teams in the Big Ten. We're leaning quarterback play in the XFL, and we're leaning have some fun. It's a fight night in Vegas. Hey, Jared, first of all, Thanks for stepping in, man, oh, for the last three days. And, you know, you come right back at it because next week I'm out of here, people. All right. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> man. I'll be here for the first couple of days. Me and Joe will be back, I believe, Monday and Tuesday. Um, then Jared takes in for me for the week. I got to, you know, do these nuptials <laughs> down there in Jamaica, man. I'll do some scouting out there also. I'll let you guys know. Um, all sorts of action. Jared, we will continue to look at Major League Baseball futures. We'll continue to keep an eye on the XFL because some of these trends are very, very important. We're on footing with the books. And as, of course, as college basketball gets down to the end. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.